Many of you know one of the hard questions to consider as your kids leave home is, are they ready? Are they ready? A couple of years ago now, it goes by very quickly, a couple of years ago as Sarah prepared to move to college, I started to panic to think, is she prepared? Is she ready? My time of teaching with her was coming to a close, and now it's going to be on her. And it wasn't just the big things of life that I worried about, but it was even the small things, the big things, but even the, the small things. Uh, what if she breaks down on I-30? Uh, will she know what to do? What if her battery goes dead late at night? Will she know what to do? What if some good-looking slickster of a dude tries to ask her out? Will she know what to do? Girls, the answer is say no. Always say no. And it is a very scary thing. Are they ready? The time has ended. They're moving on. Are they ready? Well, imagine tonight as Peter writes, he has written to instruct the church. He has written to encourage the church to stand. And now as his time of teaching winds down, he has to start to wonder, are they ready? They've heard the instruction. Are they truly ready? Did I say all that I should have said? Are they truly ready? Eternities are at stake. The name of Christ is at stake. The church itself is at stake. Tough times are surely ahead. Are they ready? Imagine him as he sends off the letter. Are they ready? Well, today he writes the last pieces, the last reminders to make sure that they are ready. And it's, it's as if he is saying here, remember this. And oh yeah, also remember this. And, and, and as they get ready to drive off in the car, don't, don't forget this. Be, be sure and remember this as well. Tonight our message is entitled, Stand Firm in It. Stand Firm in It. Tonight our verses are 1 Peter chapter 5, the second half of verse 5, all the way to the end of the chapter in verse 14. 1 Peter chapter 5, starting the second half of verse 5 to the end of the chapter Verse 14, stand firm in it. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 5, and it says this, And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. 
She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings. And so does my son, Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you all who are in Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight and again we praise you. Not just, not just hollow words, not just words that we're supposed to say. We truly do praise you tonight. We worship you tonight. We thank you tonight. We exalt you tonight. Lord, we come on this Saturday night and we again pray that you have been pleased in our assembling tonight, in our singing tonight, in our fellowship tonight. And now I pray as, as we begin to study your word, I pray, Lord, that you would speak. I, I pray, Lord, that it would be powerful. Lord, I pray that it, would, that it would bless us, guide us, convict us, shape us, form us for your purpose and for your plan. Lord, I pray that it would bear the fruit that you intended, that we would be encouraged to stand in these days, that we would be stirred up in our walks with Christ in these days. Lord, we give it to you. We ask again that you take it and use it for your name's sake, for your glory. Lord, I pray for someone listening tonight here in this room, some other place that does not know you. I pray, Lord, in the knowledge of a Savior, in the knowledge of a gracious God, and the truth of the gospel that this very night that they would turn to you and be saved. Lord, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This evening, let's get right to work in our verses. We're going to start in the second half of verse 5, where we left off last night. It says this, And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It starts off and it says, All of you. Now understand, this is now speaking to the entire group. It's talking to slaves, wives, husbands, pastors, flock, all of you. The entire group is being addressed. And so all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Now remember, humility means lowliness of mind. We've seen this. He's taught on this. Lowliness of mind. In action, it means to put others before yourself. You don't consider yourself better than everybody. You don't think you're the one to be served, but you place everyone above yourself in a lowliness of mind. Now, notice it says here, clothe yourselves in it. Now, that's a strange word. That's a, a strange call for us. Clothe yourselves in humility. Now, what that means is deliberately put it on. Let it be your adornment. Let it be what others see, what they notice about you. And so just like you pick out your clothes and just like you put on your clothes, in the same way, put on lowliness of mind. Decide to put others ahead of yourself and clothe yourselves. Put on humility. Then it says, for God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives them a reminder. He reminds them of Scripture. This is a quotation of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. Remember this, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now here's the promise, God's promise to us. If you want to be favored by God, if you want to be blessed by God, of God, 
Be humble. Put on humility. There's a lot of folks that say, I want the favor of God and I'm, I'm seeking the blessing of God. Well, here it is in God's promise. If you want the favor of God, put on humility. The lowliness of attitude. Be humble. All right, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Now, verse 6 actually tells us why we have to be humble, why we need to be humble. Notice it says, under the mighty hand of God, under the hand of God. Now, what that means is under the direction of God, under the will of God. You're operating under the hand, the control of God. Now, see this. Their suffering, their distress is because they're walking with Christ. And that's, that's what we see all the way through the letter. That's what we know to be true. Their suffering, their trouble, their distress is because they are walking with Christ. And the truth is, if they will stop walking with Christ, if they will stop serving the name of Christ, the suffering will also stop. That's the reality. They're, they're suffering because they're serving Christ. If they'll just stop that, the suffering will stop as well. It's the same today for us as well. They have to decide the lost are above them. The lost are more important. That's what they have to decide. They have to decide the church is above them, is more important than them. They have to understand, they have to believe the plan of God is more important than them, is above them. And so they're going to have to decide to submit themselves under the plan of God. That's why they're suffering. They could stop suffering if they would stop, but in humility, considering the loss more important, considering the church more important, considering the, the plan of God more important, they have to humble themselves. You see, at any time... We can say, it's about me. We can say that at any time. It's about me. It's about what I want. I don't like suffering. I, I'm tired of all this. But if they are going to continue in the will of God, they have to continue in humility. You know what? The cause of God is more important than me. It is the same tonight. We quit Walking with Christ, we quit serving Christ when it comes about when it becomes about us. Now, think about that. When it's about our comfort, you know what? This is too costly. When it becomes about our plan, you know what? This is not the plan I want to follow. And, and so it's the exact same thing for us. Listen, to press on in the will of God, to press on carrying the name of God requires the believer to have. Deep humility. Sometimes I wonder if that's the problem we have in the church today. Sometimes I wonder if that's why we can't get people to commit today. It requires deep humility, counting others, the lost, the movement of the church, more important than yourself. Then it says this. He will exalt you at the proper time. Now that's a weird thing. He will. You put yourself under he will exalt you at the proper time. Now, what that means is if you will submit, if you will have a lowliness of attitude, if you will put yourself under, here's what God says, he 
will raise you up at the right time, at the proper time when he intends, he will exalt you. He will raise you up. Now think about that for a second. That is totally backwards to the world's plan. The world says you've got to exalt yourself and you've got to let everybody know how good you're doing. You've got to blow your own trumpet, your own horn, and you've got to raise yourself up. No, the Bible says it's backwards than that. If you want to be exalted, God will do it, but he will do it when you've submitted to him in humility. All right, verse 7. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, Peter says, be humble. They're out there. They're about to get in their car. They're loading their car. They're going to take off. And he says, remember, be humble. That's, these are my last words. Be humble. But then he says, but another thing. Remember this as well. He says this, verse 7. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, this is a great reminder. This is a reminder they're going to need. Life is going to be tough. It's only going to get tougher. And so he says, remember this. Remember, be humble, but also remember this. Casting, these words are very important, is to throw. It's to literally throw. It is continual. And so here's what I want to tell you about this, this process. This is not a controlled, dignified, bring your troubles to Jesus. That's not what this says. Well, I've got some troubles and I'm going to take them to the Lord. I'm going to be dignified and bring my troubles to the Lord. That's not what this is. It actually means to heave them on them, to throw them on them, to get a wheelbarrow if you have to and dump them on the Lord. That's what it means. Throw your troubles on him. Pretty undignified. The word anxieties it translates worries. And we can leave it right there. Well, worries, bring your worries to the Lord, bring them and throw them on him. Translates worries, but it's a lot more detailed than that. The word anxieties literally translates to be drawn into pieces. It means to be divided into parts. That's literally what it means. It means you are coming undone. And so Peter says here, when life is tough and you are overwhelmed in the hardships of life and when life is literally coming undone, don't forget to throw your worries, to throw your troubles on Jesus. That's what he says. They're about to leave. He's got to get the last word. You know what? Let me tell you something else. It's going to be hard. And when you're overwhelmed and you're coming undone, don't forget to throw your troubles on Jesus. It says, because he cares for you. The word for care means he is genuinely interested in you. Now, what an what a awesome picture of our Savior. He's not somewhere distant. He's not somewhere too busy to, to see what's happening. He is actually interested in you. He cares for you. 
And so listen, as these readers, as these hearers are preparing to back out of the driveway, as they're preparing to launch off into the world, as they're getting ready to go their way into the world, the world that will heap abuse on them, a world that will hurt them, a world that will try to pull them in a whole bunch of different directions, a world that, if it can, will abandon them. Peter says, remember, don't forget, be casting your undoneness on Jesus, for he cares for you. What a great reminder. You're getting ready to launch off in the world. They're about to back out of the driveway. Listen, don't forget, it's going to be tough. You can throw your undoneness on Jesus. Then Peter says another thing. The car is running in the driveway. Time is growing short. They're about to back out. They're about to leave. And he says, let me tell you another thing. I thought of something else. Verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He says, you better remember something else. You better have a sober spirit. Remember, we've seen this. He's taught on this as well. It means not under the influence of something else, whatever that is. It's not being numbed in something else, being distracted in something else. No, it is being on the alert, being watchful, being aware. He says, your adversary means opponent, the one that is set against you, the devil, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, I want to work through this for just a second. Be sure tonight, listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a believer, now we might say, well, this is crazy. Well, this is superstitious. I, I don't know about this. Listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have an enemy. You have an opponent. And the Bible says it is Satan, the devil himself. All the way back to the garden, it is the devil. It is Satan himself. Are you hearing what the Bible says? You have an opponent. You have an enemy, and it's Satan himself. He hates Jesus. He hates the followers of Jesus. He hates you. The Bible says he goes about the way it describes it. He prowls about. Think about that. The Bible says he prowls about. It means he's, he's quiet as he prowls about. He's deceptive as he prowls about. And he is looking. He's seeking. He's prowling around for a chance and for an opening. How dumb are we to leave an opening? How dumb are we to leave a chance? That's what he's looking for. He's looking around. Are they going to leave a door open? Are they going to entertain something that will leave an opening for me? And he's seeking to devour someone. The word devour means to rip apart and consume, to, to, to literally destroy, utterly destroy, not just to rip you apart, to consume you. If he can, listen to me, Satan will destroy you. And he may start with your kids. He may start with your home. He may start with your marriage. He may start with your reputation. He may start with your health. He may start with your future. He wants your life. He wants you destroyed. Your enemy's not messing around. We're to be watching. One last thing, you're about to back out and leave. I want to tell you one last thing. Don't be distracted. Be watching. 
Verse 9. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. But resist him, firm in your faith. Verse 9 says, be aware. Be prepared, and it says, resist him. Here's a valuable thing for us to know. Here's a valuable teaching for us in the church. It says, resist him. Now, I want you to get this tonight. Our only commands as believers that we have for dealing with Satan, we only have a couple commands, and one of them is to flee from his schemes to get away from sin, from the snares of sin, to flee from his schemes, the other is to resist him. Now, there's some folks, and they get really caught up in trying to war against Satan. And they talk about warring against Satan, and they got to take the fire to Satan, and they got to bind him, and they got to rebuke him. And there's all sorts of things. They got to tell him some things. Well, you know what Peter says? Peter says, resist him. It is a military word that just means this, stand against it. Stand against him. Now, that that might be hard to understand, so he just tells us how. How do you do it? By being, the Bible says, firm in your faith. Now, listen to me. What does that mean? It is trusting God. Plain as that. Doesn't have to be any deeper than that. Trusting God. God, trusting God's word, knowing God's word, knowing the truth, trusting the truth, trusting God. Folks, listen, Satan would have us become fearful. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if we can withstand that. I don't know if my faith is great enough. I don't know about these circumstances. Satan would have us become fearful. He would have us become discouraged to the point of quitting. He would have us become worried. But God says, listen, you don't have to do anything but trust what I've already done. Trust God is all-powerful. Trust God is ruling. He's in control. Trust that God is protecting. Trust that God is defending. Trust that that God has defeated Satan in the person of Jesus And so we don't have to go and do anything. We have to trust what God has already done. He's protecting He he is defending. He has defeated Satan in the person of Jesus. And so what do we do? We stand in that. We stand firm in our faith. When the attacks come, when the arrows fly in, when the storms start brewing, we stand firm in our faith. We stand firm in Jesus. That's what we do. We stand in our faith. The rest of the verse, let me read that to you. But resist him, firm in your faith, the rest of the verse, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Peter says, let me tell you one more thing. He says, don't be slack. Be aware of what's going on. Be ready to stand. But he says, let me tell you one more thing. He says... When it feels like you are alone, when it feels like nobody can understand what you're going through, when it feels like nobody else is having to do this, 
He says, let me tell you something else. You're not alone. Let me tell you. I don't know about you, and maybe you're tougher than me, than I am. But I'll just tell you tonight, I take hope, and I take comfort, and I take peace in knowing I'm not alone. And so he says, let me tell you something else. You're not the only one. You're not alone. The others are doing the same as well. They're standing in their faith as well. Verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Let me read the verse again. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. As they prepare to drive off, Peter's words are almost done. His instructing time is almost over. And here they are, and they're loaded up, and they've got this stuff strapped on the back of the car. They're ready to go out into the world. And verse 10 is a great reminder. He says, after you have suffered for a little while. You know what that means? It means the suffering is real, and the suffering is hard. It's not denying the suffering. After you've suffered for a little while, he says, the God of all grace who called you to eternal glory in Christ. Peter always focuses on eternity. You ever notice that? It's bad. He thinks about heaven. He always takes the focus back to eternity. Who called you to eternal glory in Christ, that God will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Perfect. I like these words. It means to fit together. Now, how awesome the earlier verse meant coming undone, and this means being put back together. He will perfect you. He'll fit you back together. Confirm means to support. He is your support. It means to establish. Strengthen means to make strong. Establish means to not make you wobbly, but to make stable. It means to be set on a solid foundation. There is some debate as to when this happens. And there are some that say and some that think that it's now in the midst of life. It's in the midst of your trials that this happens. Others say that it's after the troubles of life. After the troubles of life. This is talking about in glory. This is talking about in heaven. Here's what I think. I think it is both. I think Peter says, listen to this, you stand for God. Here's what I think he says in this verse. You stand for God by trusting God. And I thought about that really. That's the, that's the summarization of the entire letter. Stand. How do you stand? You stand by trusting God. You stand for God by trusting God. And as you trust God, He'll hold you together. It's not your doing. As you trust God, he'll support you. That's not your ability. As you trust God, he'll strengthen you. You're not going to get stronger on your own. It's not in your power. As you trust God, he will establish you, placing you on solid ground, and it's going to be his foundation instead of yours. And so listen to me tonight. The call is this. 
You're buckling up your seatbelt in the car. You're about to place your car in the gear. You're about to drive down the driveway and then slowly out into the avenues of life. And Peter says here, trust God. He will do it. Trust God. He is faithful. Trust God. He will act. And as you roll out and as you turn into the street, trust God. One more thing. Trust God. Don't forget. And as you get smaller in the distance, trust God. You're almost gone. Hey, trust God. And so then he says, verse 11, to him be dominion forever and ever. There's that word again. So be it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. You might be abandoned. Trust God. So be it. The last couple of verses are the closing remarks of the letter. I think they're interesting. Let me, let me walk us through them. Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, for I, so I regard him, I've written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Silvanus is most likely Silas, the friend of Paul. Most likely, he's the one that carried the letter. He took it to the region. He, he spread it around the region. Peter says here, he has been exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Now, I, I read that, and I think how urgent he must be, how, how passionate he must be. Don't be distracted. This is the true grace. This is the word of God. This is where your hope is. This is the truth. Trust God. He says, stand firm in it. Do not waver from it. Do not abandon it. Do not be overcome by the, the sorrows of the world, the distractions of the world. Stand firm in it. That's what he says. Stand firm in it. Verse 13. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends greetings. And so does my son, Mark. Most likely she that's in Babylon is talking about the church in Rome. They send their greetings. And so does Mark. Verse 14. Greet one another with a kiss of love. In Texan, that translates in a handshake. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Here it goes. Peace be to you all who are in Christ. Trouble's coming. Hurt's possible. There's big things to do. There's big things to do. Can you imagine the hope that he pinned on them? Oh, they could lead a revival. Oh, they could turn many people to Christ. There's big things to do. Peace be with you who are in Christ. I think as he writes that, surely it has to ring in his head. His friend Jesus said, peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give. Tonight, there may be trouble. Tonight, hurt is possible. Tonight, you've got big things to do. To understand there is peace in Jesus. And then the car is gone. 
faded out of sight off somewhere else. In the traffic of life, the car is gone. One thing remains. Trust God. Trust God. Let's pray. Dear me, Father, we come. And I'm so thankful for this letter. I'm so thankful that you knew we would need it. That we would be hurt without it. That we would be instructed and equipped with it. And I'm thankful that you preserved it, put it in our hands, and put it in our hearing this week, this month. Lord, I'm thankful for the truth that we have a God that is trustworthy. We have a God that we can check, and he is always faithful to every turn. We have a God that's gracious and loving to us, so kind that he sends us a Savior in the person of Jesus. Lord, help us, encourage us, stir us up, move in our midst. Help us trust you. Lord, I pray tonight if somebody's here listening that hasn't trusted you for their salvation, I pray knowing that's the first step. I pray in the hearing of a gracious God, of a powerful God, of a risen Savior that this very night, Lord, any hindrance will be removed. They would trust you in their salvation. Move in their hearts, Lord. And Lord, I pray for those of us who have trusted you. I pray, Lord, as we're distant from Peter, as we're distant from this letter first being read and passed out, that we would draw close again tonight. We would be a people that would say and a people that would stand that we can trust our God. Lord, we pray that you've been honored so far. We pray that you bless our study moving forward. And I pray that you move on this very night. We trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close tonight with a time of response, a time of invitation, a time to say, Lord, I, I hear your word. And I take you at your word. I trust your word. And tonight I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've heard that 21 times coming into this 22nd time. But I want to tell you the offer still stands tonight. If you'll trust Jesus, he'll save you tonight. If you've never trusted him, trust him tonight. He'll save you tonight. Maybe you're here and you've made that step, but you've never fought on believer's baptism. And maybe you're thinking of all the reasons you shouldn't do it. Maybe you're thinking of all the reasons you, you can just put it off. Listen, in obedience to Christ, you need to come and say, you know what, I want to be obedient. I want this, I want this testimony to stand in my life of what I believe of Christ. You come. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and believe God has led you here. You come as well. Maybe tonight you want to just come and say, God, help me stand. God, help me trust you. God, forgive me where I've been off track. God, stir me up this 22nd night. Maybe you want to pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. Maybe there where you're seated. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one head for an exit, but you would pray for those who are making decisions. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. If God has spoken to you tonight, you step out. You come on.